Hey, Peter. Hey. Are you feeling dogmatic today? I'm feeling a little dogmatic. Yeah, I actually am. Let's do this. Let's do it again. Roof, roof. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to You'll Hear It, a podcast about listening and playing music better. Now, why are we getting so dogmatic today? Well, because uh, this is kind of a holdover question from 2019. And it, my recollection is, we, well, first of all, we've already recorded this episode, but the quality control here is so high that we're redoing this. We're not going to release the original episode because we lost some of the files, actually. You know, we're going to blame that one on the pod cave. We're going to blame it on the pod cave. Yeah. In the move over here, some things didn't make it. But we're happy to kind of go through this again. And In the, the pod suite. In the pod suite. Yeah. Um, but the question, as I recall, we're, we're going to listen to it again here because this is when the speak pipe was still on, uh, kind of demanded a dogmatic answer, right? Wouldn't you say? That's, That's the only reason. We don't just wake up in the morning, dog... Well, yeah, we do. No, we you do definitely up. do. You definitely do. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that this kind of led to a little bit... The question's about dogma, so let's take a listen. Hello, Peter and Adam. My name is Tomek, and I'm from Poland. Tell me, how the most popular chord progression was created in Stella by Starlight, which is played on Gem Sessions and Book? And why nobody plays original chords from Victor Young? Thank you. All right, so that's uh, Tomek. Thank you, Tomek. And I think what he's talking about is the first couple bars of Stella by Starlight. Um, if you don't know the tune, well, you should probably. Uh, but it starts with this E half diminished. Right? And the original changes, as I understand them, are instead of E half diminished to A7, it's B flat diminished. Which makes sense, yes. actually. It does make sense. Uh, and so he's, he's asking why. Why do jazz musicians play that E half diminished to the A7? Because me no likey. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. That's a, actually a pretty valid answer because um, I think... The, the the E half diminished A seven it was definitely made famous by Miles's version. I don't know yeah. if he he was the one who thought of that. I don't think he was the first, but it was definitely the popular popularizer of it. And it was probably the popularizer of that tune in such a broad way. When Miles right. covered anything like that, it took off. Yeah. So to have that uh, that E half diminished A seven, it's a, it's like a little false two five, right? Like we're going yeah. somewhere. Um, it sounds good. I mean, it does. It works with the melody, and it sounds good, and it's easier to improvise over for a lot of jazz musicians than just a straight-up diminished chord for some reason. Yes, especially starting on the diminished. Starting on the diminished. I love the way that sounds with the diminished, though, I have to say. Yeah. Well, it's a fun thing to kind of play around with it once you know that. But I think um, historically what's happened with these kind of situations um, where jazz musicians change or alter the chords... Uh, of a a popular song that's from a movie or a musical or or something that was not written as a jazz song, but it's but it's a beautiful melody with an interesting harmonic thing. It's usually just to make it a little bit more interesting, I think, harmonically, yeah. like what that movement is underneath. And it's a kind of a it's sort of a fine line that you have to be careful about crossing. I'm I've I've never been one that's been like super dogmatic. You have to play it just like the original changes because 
it doesn't necessarily fit the idiom that we're playing for and as a vehicle for improvisation if you strict if strictly stick to the chord changes, even on stuff like Gershwin. Yeah. You know, and so but you don't want to reharm everything. And I wouldn't consider well, this is kind of a permanent reharmonization. Now, what I think is important is as much as possible if we kind of know generally what the original changes are then then you i really think you have license to change it as much as you want to i think that's that's the key is especially something that's in your rep something that you're playing a lot you need to do the homework you need to do the research of what are the original changes so tomic it sounds like you knew that this was the original change you have license to do whatever you want right um but sometimes if you are just relying on especially like the real book which can really suck the fun out of the song yeah well because it's only just one version and it may be a good version but sometimes they make they originally made mistakes in interpreting and hearing what was on a great recording, yeah. and then people followed that instead of following what was an interesting reharmonization on the recording. And hey, look, it happens all the time. Like Miles is around midnight compared to Monk's. Yes, around, I, I mean, know. it's like super different. Yeah, but you need to learn the Monk one. You, yeah, and you, I think that one's actually a little bit more it, interesting. It is more me. interesting. I mean, but knowing both is is helpful because they're both played a bunch. But you know, do the research. I did a course, a mini course here at Open Studio called a lead sheet uh, breakdown where I kind of talk about this a lot about going back to the source material you know even if you just look at a copyrighted piano reduction of something like Summertime from Gershwin or Somewhere Over the Rainbow from Harold Arlen yes you can see the composer's original intent for what the harmony was it wasn't just you know a set of chord changes in a real book it was actual like counter melodies and harmony that made uh, the 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 melody above it so much more interesting and and bass movement that actually uh had something to do with what the melody was doing not just it's two five after two five after two five you know what right, i mean these right, things right. are are important um and like you said you don't have to like be super dogmatic i only play the original changes to everything and i know right. every counter melody but when you know that now you can make an informed decision about how you want to approach it right you're not doing an interpretation of an interpretation of an interpretation right which would be three hats that you're putting on you're putting a hat, the, on, a hat on a hat, hat. yeah we don't yeah. want to do that you want to put that hat directly on and um it's interesting because when he first said this about stella by starlight i thought this question was not about the first chord oh, I know but then i remember yeah because this is something that came up That's the original two five, then to the five, which is kind of the tonic, then to the F major. Yeah. And a lot of people play that, which is fine. But I remember I played that. I played this song with uh, Ray Brown. Oops, I dropped that name on the ground. My bad. <laughs> but the great Ray Brown, I had the 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 honor and pleasure to play a little bit with him, and we were rehearsing, and I did that. He's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, that's not the right chords, and he just sort of played the the bass, the root movement there, and I was like, okay, there you go. I mean, if Ray Brown says it's right, then I'm right. going to say it's right. Yeah, but this is a great tune. And I think that, you know, so both those those, both those places, let me just sort of, this is the 2-5-1, when it goes right before the bridge, so G minor, C7, instead of B flat minor to E flat. So. I mean, it makes sense. It's a 2 5 one. Yeah. Again, um, you can play the other one, but know where it kind of comes from and jump off from there. So really, it's, it's really about... Making informed decisions about the changes you want to play, not being super dogmatic, but knowing that you've done your homework, that you know the original intent of the composer as much as possible. And hey, look, no one's gonna, 
the jazz police aren't going to arrest you if you don't know. I mean, uh, but but consider okay. <laughs> but consider that that it only you makes bail them you out if they do? <laughs> that this kind of detail, this kind of detail of research and of of uh, musical knowledge only makes you better and it only makes your intent on what you're you're learning better. So whatever tune you're learning, you know, I always like I have a favorite version that could be a little more modern. I want to know that because I, I like you know, the I want to know the players I know, you yeah. know, like I yeah, want to yeah. learn how they're playing it, learn how they approach it, but it's actually can be if you kind of know what the original was. Now I see like, oh, this is how uh Jason Moran approach this original content. So now I can see his decision makings. And that's, there's actually a lot to be learned from that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, but I would say that, you know, the Jason Moran version of a tune like this is not going to be what you'd use as your only reference recording. No, no. But I'm saying like, if I know the original and then I see Jason Moran's, now I can see his, his thinking like, okay, he saw this original because you know, like a player of that caliber is knows, knows where it's coming from. Right. Yeah. And then like, here's, he saw the original and here's his decisions on what to do. And it kind of is almost like a little lesson about arranging and things. Yeah. And I think too, like sometimes what I remember doing, um, on certain tunes when I'd learn them is you can kind of split the difference too. I mean, it's best to kind of check out every version that you like. And, but sometimes like if you just need to go to one thing, I would use as a reference, something like Frank Sinatra singing it, or as opposed to going to the sheep music, you know, um, especially if you want to do it by ear, Ella Fitzgerald, really any great singer kind of from that era. Yeah. Um, where there's not going to be a lot of substitutions and changing of the chords, I would right, say. Right, right, right. But they may change, they will change the melody somewhat, but they're not probably going to change the lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you can get an interesting take. Yeah, you probably should know the original melody on the sheet music too. But then if you take a reference, so I would say Saravon, Ella Fitzgerald. Well, Saravon's going to probably even start to get into a little bit more changing of things. Um, but Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, who else? Who else would fall in that? Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the only reason I was Taylor I was, Swift. I don't know. That's a little later. Rod Stewart. No, no, no. Uh, the only reason <laughs> he sings I was, standards. Uh, I reckon the only reason I, I um, recommend checking out the score or like a copyrighted piano reduction, especially if it's from that era that this, the tune was from, yeah. is that you get to see some of the counter melodies, some yes. of the bass movements that might not be on an Ella version or something like that. Right. You know right, what right, I mean? Right, right. Just to get, and that's just my own arranger nerd thing. To coming out of like I want yeah. to see what they were thinking about. And you get a little dogmatic too. That's okay. That's what we're doing today. That's all right. But you know what? If you're on the session and someone doesn't know the same changes you know and you've done the research, don't be a jerk. No. You know what I'm saying? Don't be that guy or gal. Yeah. Please. We've been that don't guy. Don't be a, <laughs> uh, uh actually uh, <laughs> actually back in 1938 <laughs> yeah. when Sammy Con Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look, and the whole thing is like get into we want it to be accurate, but but being 97% Accurate versus being ninety nine percent accurate is not as big of a deal as being between seventy percent accurate and, and ninety seven. Like once you get to a certain point, yeah. just play the music, okay? Yeah. And I think like with a lot of things, I mean, this is not that different than like in classical music when, you know, they're saying we're playing baroque music, we have to be tuned down. No, you don't. No one wants to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Four forty two. No, no. Four thirty two. Four thirty two. Is that yeah. was that baroque tuning? I believe it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, it can be interesting to, to do that sometimes. But then you're kind of jumping into the whole thing like and it can be super interesting but it doesn't mean it's not valid because you're playing with modern instruments and modern tunings because we're playing in modern concert halls for modern audiences that's and, right and all that kind of thing and i think it's the same thing with this the music is alive which is great about it but do a little bit of research see the lineage of it and then have some fun with it come up with your own substitutions don't absolutely. don't rely on the crappy fake book ones you know absolutely yeah big shout out to real book 
keep on transcribing or <laughs> sort of. It's a lot of Steve Swallow tunes. <laughs> a lot of Steve Swallow. Um, well, good. Well, we are brought to you by Open Studio Jazz. Open Studio Jazz provided us um, this beautiful new pod suite. Are we? Are we? Are we? Are we feeling good about that name? Are we going with that? We're going with that. The pod suite. Maybe we have so far all week. It is sweet in here. I like it because I can accompany your diatribes. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, we're here. Go to openstudiojazz.com and check out our course. we got a lot of new stuff coming around the pipe. we got new Jeffrey Keyser coming very soon. But there's several yeah. there. If, if you haven't checked out his earlier courses, you're going to want to check in on those so you're ready to go next level with him. And until tomorrow, you'll hear it. So optimistic. Dopeo. Dopeo. <laughs> Two dopes. <laughs>